Father, we thank you for your word, the Bible. Thank you for how it leads us towards Jesus, the risen Lord. And we pray that through this time, you would anoint Adrian's lips to speak of you. Open our minds and ears to hear what you've got for us today. And through it, change our lives that they would look more like yours and we would be more useful to see your kingdom come in every bit of berry, just like it is in heaven. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Should we give him a round of applause as he comes to us to speak? Adrian. Thank you. Yeah, we're reveling in the resurrection. Reveling. I always think that, you know, what does that mean? You're rolling around in it. You're just covering yourself with it. Uh, And it's just, we need to enjoy the resurrection. And the resurrection isn't just for Easter. It's for all the year round. You know those stickers, a dog isn't for Christmas, it's for life, blah, blah, blah. Well, we ought to have those stickers on our cars, a resurrection isn't just for Easter. We don't just do the 50 days or so of Easter, pack it away and move on. I just think sometimes the church wants to rush on to Pentecost. You know, well, let's, come on, let's, get the, let's get the Holy Spirit, let's get the ascension and the Holy Spirit. But no, the resurrection is fundamental. It is key to, um, to what we believe and how, how we come to be. Let's just read the, uh, the scripture. It's, uh, it's John um, 20, verse 24 and following. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. We, I think, we, and I think I just need to backtrack just a little bit in this, and to uh, so this is the this is the second Sunday after the resurrection, where um, the disciples are again together for a second time. But Thomas wasn't with them for the first time. He was elsewhere. We don't know where he was. It doesn't doesn't tell us where he was, but. I was just thinking about this, and I was just trying to put myself into, into his shoes, into their shoes. And they were absolutely devastated that their friend, that the person that they were beginning to recognize as more than a man, who was their Lord and their Savior, had been ripped away from them had been taken away from them and unjustly and he'd been, he'd been killed and, uh, and they'd been put into fear of their lives because they didn't, you know, if they were associated with him, they denied him. 
And they were in this position where they were, they were traumatized by what had happened to them. And uh, so the, the ten disciples plus others were together. And they were probably, they were, they were, they, the room was locked and uh, so that people couldn't get in. They were still in fear of the Jews. And Thomas wasn't with them. Now, where was Thomas? He was on his own. He was, he was, he was probably stewing in his own. And he, his, 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 it probably wasn't depression, but it was complete. It was, he just devastated. And he wasn't getting the support from the others. And when he met them, Later, they were telling, well, Jesus has appeared to us. We've seen the risen Lord Jesus. And, he, you know, and he wasn't accepting their witness. He, he said, I will not believe unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side. I will not believe. We all know the story of so-called Doubting Thomas. This is not, Doubting Thomas is wrong. This is unbelieving Thomas. The word he uses when I will not believe is a double negative. There is no way I am ever going to believe. He wasn't doubting. He was in a place of faithlessness. He would not believe unless Jesus met his terms and conditions. Bearing in mind that Jesus is God, that was quite a, quite a brave thing to do, in my opinion. But he was, he was so down that uh, he was absolutely devastated. And he said, I will never, I will never, I will know, I will not believe. This is not a casual doubt. And so here we are, eight days later, they're locked inside, they're together, and the others are saying, and then Jesus appears in their midst. Now, liberal theologians have made all sorts of arguments that Jesus sneaked in through a secret door, and this wasn't a jack-in-the-box Jesus who was in a, in a box, and they said, hello, fellas, I'm here, look, and he bound it. No, he just appeared. The room was locked. It says it was shut. And it means, in, in, the, um, in the text, it means it was shut tight. Jesus just, he materialized. He appeared. Jesus had moved. He'd had a, he had a resurrection body. And he just appeared in their midst. He wasn't a phantom. He was real flesh and blood. And he just, you know, he just appeared. Whether he walked through the wall or whatever he did or whether he just, um, I don't know. But he appeared and he was real and he was the genuine, real Jesus. And the first thing he said when he appeared was peace to you. Now this is significant because he, previously Thomas had denied him. Now, the disciples knew that so what happened if you didn't have faith, you denied, denied God, you were faithless. Because if you, the, the story in um, Numbers 13, I think Numbers 13 and 14, where the, um, Moses sends in the spies into the, uh, into the promised land and they, they come out of the promised land and um, 
Ten of them are, oh, my goodness me, yeah, well, there's giants. You know, it's big cities. We'll never be able to take it. You know, and there's the other two. There's um, Joshua and Caleb, and they're full of it. They say, well, yeah, it's brilliant, but I'm sure we can take the land. And they came out with all the, you know, the pomegranates, the grapes, all the beautiful fruit, the, the, the produce and all that sort of thing. It was a good land. And they, um, because of the denial and because of the lack of faith of the people, that generation, bar two, didn't enter God's promised land. And the disciples knew that uh, faithlessness and unbelief had previously been punished. But Jesus comes to them. He knows where they've been. He knows where Thomas has been. He knows what he's been saying. He knows his thoughts. He knows our very thoughts. Jesus knows exactly what we're thinking. He knows what we're saying. And despite that, he, he, he enters into the room and Thomas is there in his, his unbelief, in his lack of faith, almost challenging God to prove himself to him. And he says to him, he says, peace unto you. And that is so, so significant because that is God reaching down to us and saying, there is no punishment for you. I come in peace. And the implications of that are amazing. When God comes in peace and we accept his peace, it means my sins are forgiven. I no longer have to sin because I have a new nature. My Savior intercedes on my behalf before the Father. I am a son of the Lord God, or a daughter. I'm adopted into his family. My life is settled for eternity. I no longer have to be concerned about where I'm going because I've, you know, God has said he's reached out to me in peace. He's reached down to me and he 